Radio. This is Catholics Read on cradio.org.au. Hello and welcome to this episode of Catholics Read. I'm Luke. And I'm Victoria. And this week we are looking, well, Victoria's looking at uh, Jane Austen's Sense and Sensibility. Don't worry, I'm not being chauvinistic. Um, It is actually Victoria who's doing this book this week. It made it sound like I'm just going to let you go. I'm just going to go somewhere else because it's a girl's book. No, um, that is not true. Now, the reason that we haven't done Jane Austen yet, which is, you know, Expecting it basically to be the first one that I was ever going to do. But the thing was that I was going to make Luke and Kiara read Pride and Prejudice. And we just never really got round to it because Pride and Prejudice is it's long in terms of, you know, fitting it into university and, and work. And you know, we've only got a fortnight to read something usually. Um, a lot I'll of usually have to less. read things in public. Yeah. <laughs> Pride and Prejudice would have been. I think that actually would have been great. Yeah. But whatever. I'm, I'm actually pretty sure that the Pride and Prejudice, like, Penguin collection, like, what is it, Penguin Classics cover mm-hmm. is pink. <laughs> like, there's just no hiding it. You can't even hide it in the orange. Like, you know. <laughs> but anyway. There's nothing wrong with pink. Um, <laughs> anyway, so since we've um, st- strayed away, ditched, I don't know, moved in an opposite direction to the we all read the same text and now we're doing the sort of show and tell format for a while at least while we're sort of all in different states more or less literally (laughs) quite literally i'm on the border i'm still in new south wales but anyway um so (laughs) if i was to do pride and prejudice i'd need to give myself a whole week to prepare and do all these things because i love it so much but i have recently taught sense and sensibility so it is still in in my mind so we can have a look at that and sense and sensibility um is written by jane austen i'm not really going to go into jane austen was born in this time and did this and this because really you can google that um (laughs) it's everywhere um and I, i would assume you'd know who jane austen is please um but sense and sensibility was published in 1811 and um is set in london and sussex and follows the story of the Dashwood family. So it's um, Mrs. Dashwood and her three daughters, Eleanor and Marianne and Margaret. There we go, I got there. Margaret doesn't really – she's not really in the story, so that's why I've forgotten her. That's okay. Um, and what happens when they um, their father dies and they have to move to a smaller, um, a smaller residence and they've got a half-brother and he's married to someone and all these things that are going on. And – I won't go into the whole plot because it's actually quite complex and I'd much prefer you watch the film or read the read the book and then you can sort of delve into it a bit more. But basically what happens is the, the book uh, explores these two notions of sense and sensibility as embodied by the two elder daughters. So sense is Eleanor Dashwood and she's very rational, she's very logical, she's um, not very emotional in that her, her emotions don't um, override her sense and she uh, appears to be quite restrained um, to the point where at times she probably should have spoken up about something but has decided to keep it in, um, to repress things almost. And then there's Marianne who's the other side of the uh, spectrum and she is all sensibility. Now sensibility we think of the word sensible and um that means a certain. Uh, that means something slightly different in a twenty first century context. Luke, what would you think sensible means? If someone's sensible, uh, the first person that you're talking about, <laughs> you, they have like, a lot don't, of. Don't don't 
be too rash. Yeah, okay. Um, so that's not know, what it... Make, yeah, be very sober in mm-hmm. your decisions and your actions. So that's not what it meant back then. It actually meant... Um, uh, I'm trying to think of the, the word that would be similar. Sensitive is probably the, the corresponding word for how we would understand it. Sense and sensitivity. Is that sense the, uh... and sensitivity, but it's sense <laughs> and sensibility. Um, and sensibility is being um, sentimental, in touch with your emotions, um, often um, plays into the aesthetic and, and the passionate and the, um, what's the word that I want? Uh, sporadic and... Not sporadic, that's not the word I want. Uh, spontaneous, right? So there are these two ends of the spectrum and the sisters navigate life and romance and financial things and society from these two perspectives. And it looks like Jane Austen is having a bit of a battle about which one trumps. Actually, it doesn't look like she's having a battle, to be honest. She does favour sense. She does. But there are times where Eleanor, um, because she doesn't speak up, because she's not even slightly sensible, does for most of the story um, lose uh, the love of her life. And only at the end, spoiler alert, (laughs) do they get together and she shows her sensible side. Um, Sensible in Austin sense. Oh, dear. (laughs) This is is difficult. You can imagine what I was like trying to teach this. Um, Anyway, and similarly, Marianne, who starts off um, being in love with this guy, Willoughby, who is – very similar to her, and they're very spontaneous and sort of break a few social rules together um, and, you know, poetry and readings and stuff. Sorry, mm? go, go for it, Luke. No, 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 no. Go for it. No, I was no, no. Just, I, was just, I was just saying this is like Frozen, sort of, except Frozen. <laughs> Not you know really. the two sisters? <laughs> no, I'm talking about the two sisters. <laughs> okay, okay. Yeah. Sorry, sorry. I was just thinking of that. I was just thinking of that scene where they, like, go and they, like, have that song about, like, how – What's that Do you song want to build a snowman? Frozen. No, 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 no. What's her name? Um, Anna and um, and the guy who's spoiler alert is a bad guy. Oh, <laughs> love is an open door. <laughs> yes, that's it. That's the one. Actually, Sorry, I was just I was just thinking of that, and I'm like, hang on a second. No, They're to, a bit like those. To two. be honest, it's. I guess a little bit like that. I'm really sorry, Jane Austen fans, if you disagree with me, but yeah, for the sake of. For the sake of Our aiding- listenership just went down 50%. <laughs> we just compared Jane Austen to Frozen. No, no, no. <laughs> For the sake of aiding Luke's understanding, yes, it's actually a little bit like that. And they behave a lot like that um, until Willoughby just leaves. And as far as everyone's aware, they're secretly engaged because no one would uh, act in that the way that they do, so exclusive and things like that, without being secretly engaged. Um, and so Marianne's very sad and it shows, you know, how sensibility can be a downfall at times when not tempered with sense. And all throughout the whole story, there's this other guy, Colonel Brandon, who just loves Marianne, but he's much older and he's very sensible and he's very caring and he just wants the sensible best for her. In with, in with oh, sorry. He's, he's 21st century sensible. Okay. Actually, he's the other as well, but he's tempered it with sense. Like he's very... Okay. He's very even and he's there for her the whole time, constantly aiding her with things but keeping back because he thinks she's still in love with Willoughby. And then um, towards the end, I don't know if I should spoil I've spoiled everything else, doesn't matter. Marianne gets together with Colonel Brandon and realises that all maxims she held in life, like she had to be passionately in love with someone from the get-go, they had to be equally spontaneous and crazy and in love with everything she's in love with. That was one of her thing, things on her list. They had to have very similar interests to the same amount of passion. Um, she realises that all these things are wrong or at least she's putting too much um, 
importance on those things. And she um, basically it ends with her having a very happy marriage with Colonel Brandon. And, um, yeah, that's how it ends. There's like 7,000 other characters that I didn't talk about <laughs> and about 40 other plot points that I didn't mention. <sighs> Such a poor summary. That's anyway. all right. You did well. Anyway, you did well. these things happen. But the things I wanted to touch on here were um, this this dialogue, as it were, between sense and sensibility and what that the importance that has in our lives. Um, I don't know if you want to say anything about that, Luke. Have you ever thought about this dichotomy in life? No. No. <laughs> it's because you are all sense. <laughs> when I read this, I, Jane Austen has this way of almost reflecting a mirror back onto yourself. It, it, you have to think about your, yourself when you read Jane Austen because it just reveals all your character flaws, I think, a lot of the time. And often the characters that you love the most are the characters you share flaws with. And so I was reading this and all I was thinking was, Eleanor is so rigid and repressed. And, you know, that's why. That's why she loses Edward for a long time. And I'm reading Marianne and I'm thinking, she is just so fearless and courageous and just so great. <laughs> and Anyway, so as I read the book and see what happens, I'm thinking, oh dear, oh dear, I know which one I'm more like, and yeah. And by the end, you do reassess your life, and you think, well, what can, what good pits can I get from both characters? And I think it's just, it's definitely one of those things to think about. Definitely, as a young woman, as a Catholic or a Christian young woman, because obviously, the virtues come into it as well. Eleanor was a more virtuous person. Um, not that Marion did anything bad, but she just. She probably didn't practice temperance as much and also didn't – trying to think of the way to put this. I'm not sure about all Christian kind of chastity theories. <laughs> That's probably not the best way to speak about it. But definitely in the Catholic uh, circles, so like the Everett's and Sarah Swafford and um, Leah Darrow and all of them, they they base, they talk about this sort of like inclin- – uh, not what's the word? I don't know the phrase I want, but where you like introduce intimacy at different – um, levels according to how well you know someone, how long you've known someone. Prudence, Prudence maybe. But it's this gradual intimacy. And I'm not talking about mm. physical intimacy. I'm talking about emotional intimacy. And Marianne just chucks that out the window. I think the first or second time she sees Willoughby, it's just it's all in. Let's talk about my favourite poem, my favourite this. Mm. You love that too? Oh, we're soulmates. So, look, I don't know whether – who would get a lot out of this book? But I definitely know that I taught it to a classroom of girls. They got a lot out of it. I think they reflected on their lives a lot when they when they read it. And definitely every Catholic girl I've spoken to that's read it has had like a three-hour spiel over coffee in terms of how what they think about this whole debacle of relations in this um and events in this story. Luke, you need to have, like at least watch the film. I think you'd, I think Maybe. you'd like it. it. It does, it does sound really interesting, and I think it's like it does kind of sound similar, but from a different sort of angle. <laughs> Can I say frozen again? Tangled. No, <laughs> no, 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 I'm joking. I'm joking. Um, sort of similar, but from a different angle to um, like discussions on like the temperaments or things like that, or um, just little things like that, and I think sort of just coming from from that angle in terms of temperaments. I remember someone saying that one of the fantastic things about the temp like learning about temper if you have no idea what we're talking about here. Um Claire. somewhat Aristotelian Thomistic, but just sort of generally 
Catholic theory um, of uh, different things that kind of precede personality, choleric, sanguine, uh, melancholic, and phlegmatic. Um, I'm not going to go into what each of those are, but yeah, basically different temperaments. Um, And just once you learn that, you sort of come to this realization that it's like, oh, oh, I sort of like, you you sort of realize that you view the world thinking that everyone's basically the same temperament Mm -hmm, as you mm -hmm. and you filter everybody's or you view everybody's actions through the lens of your own. And so if like, say for example, a phlegmatic person is like continually late to things and you're like, what is wrong with this person? (laughs) Because you're choleric and you're like, what is wrong with this person? They are so completely rude. Like what's with them? Like they're doing it on purpose. That's what they're doing. They're doing it on purpose. <laughs> you know, and like that kind of thing. You guys, no, no, no. It's just they have a completely different temperament to you. Or, you know, like fr- from the opposite angle, you could have a sanguine person that's like, what's with that choleric person? They get so worked up about the flag person who's late to everything. Like, what is with that? You know, <laughs> oh, look, a squirrel. Um, <laughs> that's not fair. <laughs> <laughs> Meanwhile, the phlegmatics, you know, at the back of a library, reading by candlelight, thinking about... The sadness of the world. Sadness of the world. melancholic, I think. What did I say? You said phlegmatic. Oh, sorry. No, I meant phlegmatic. Me- anyway. <laughs> but yeah, it just reminds me a little did, bit of that. Did I say in it the again? Sense that Me- melancholic. 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 That's yeah, what I mean. Okay. Yeah. That's all right. Um, <laughs> it does. <laughs> that's right. I'm just going to think about that for the next week. <laughs> no, she did it on purpose. <laughs> no. Hijacking the radio show. <laughs> <laughs> no. Um, it does remind me a little bit of that in yeah. the sense that, by the sounds of it, you know, it gives you an opportunity to realise, hang on a second, not everyone in the universe is like me. You know, people have reasonable reasons to act the way that they do based on their personality or temperament or what have you. Or in this case, kind of dichotomy between sense and on one hand and sensibility on the other. And the sisters do have these separate sort of epiphanies as to how the other works when I think Marianne's just, you know, we're like 200 pages into Marianne, this, this, the one who is sensitive, s- sensible. Um, just She's been induced into sickness, very serious sickness, by her broken heart. Mm. She's super dramatic in that way. She's been rebuffed by Willoughby. He's marrying someone else and she's – everyone is worried she's going to die because she's been – bedridden Mm. and she's going on about all of this and at one point I think she asks Eleanor you know does none of you know does nothing distress you and I think Eleanor just breaks after a while and says of of course things distress me we've moved to a small house the love of my life is marrying someone else this is going on this is and she kind of breaks down for a little bit and Eleanor says oh okay we've got the same passion but she one person represses it and the other person um Almost, lets it go almost and overdrive. Like, just magnifies it and lets it go. So, yeah, and then the, the other way happens in a, in a way as well. Eleanor does see that there is room for being open um, and vulnerable with your emotions. She finds that very difficult um, because the only way for true love to exist is for vulnerability to exist. And I think she, she learns that from her sister. Um, so, yeah. That's interesting. I have read like a temperamental analysis of sense and sensibility. So you're not wrong to bring that up. Okay. That's interesting. And of course, if you are looking into the temperaments, like you you read through all these things and you realize if you're if you're astute that the the well balanced person has the good bits of all of them. Mm. And that from a Christian perspective, one person did. Yeah. And that was Christ. 
So he was, you know, took initiative like a, a cleric and was, you know, um, was thoughtful and, and pensive like a melancholic and all, and all these great things and joyful like a sanguine and gosh, I'm a phlegmatic, but I find it difficult sometimes to find things that we're good at. Um, relaxed? Can you call Jesus relaxed? <laughs> I don't know. Um, That's a, I don't no, know. F- f- oh, anyway. Who knows? Look it up if you want. Phlegmatic's like the only thing I'm not, so it's going to be very hard to <laughs> be like, oh, phlegmatics are like. Always late. <laughs> <laughs> no, not always late. Just totally relaxed. Um, but, yeah, it was actually reminding me a little bit, like, we'll just wrap up in a moment. But um, it's funny that, like, that it reminds me of this. But um, I'm reading at the moment a book called um, Everything is Grace by... Um, um, but it's about St. Therese of Lisieux mm. and sort of like a biography of St. Therese. And because um, I read a story of a soul um, and then reading this sort of coming from at, a, from at her life from another angle and sort of using all her writings and that to try and look at her life about how she, um, when you said like the bedridden thing, like she was, so Saint little St. Therese was like so sens- sensibility um, That's right, because I think Paul is it Pauline Paulette. What was her sister's name? Paul, Pauline leaves for yeah, for Carmel, but I think Pauline um, mentions at some point that she was. Yeah, she's, she's very, very sensitive. She's, like when she's little, she's so emotional. Like not not so emotional. She's very sensitive. She's a very mm. very sensitive, very melancholic. She's very very sensitive and that kind of thing. But she learns to 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 use that and to like. Shut off. I get. I don't know. I'm going to say shut off. Like not repress, but like sort of somehow move away from the bad elements of that, but still use her sensitivity for good. The fact of the matter is, is that Saint Therese of Lisieux was very much able to analyze herself, and she was able to remember things from when she was like two, which is insane. Like you read Story of a Soul, and you're like, how on earth does she remember that? Like that's crazy. And I think it's in part because of how sensitive she is wow. as a person. She sounds like she's an excellent. Mix of Eleanor and Marianne, Good and that's stuff. that's what that's what's interesting is that she, I think, is someone who's able to, and what in sense and sensibility, like I guess a reflection on that. It, it sounds like is that these things aren't necessarily bad. Like it's not bad to be to have sense or bad to have sensibility. These things are gifts, you know, that we can use in the right way um, to further our holiness and. And have patience for those that are finding their, like, seeking holiness. Absolutely. But with different gifts and different um, dispositions. Yeah, yeah. So, anyway, it was just just a little aside there that kind of reminded me, like, when you're talking about that, reminded me a bit of St. Therese. Um, So, yeah, because she was, like, she got quite sick um, from her, her sensitivity made her, like, physically ill. And you can see, like, she had a very difficult... She doesn't really go into it much in Story of a Soul, but, I mean, she had a very difficult upbring- upbringing in the sense of, like, she had to be away from her family for the first year of her life because her mother couldn't breastfeed properly. Mm. Um, and so she had to be with a nurse. Um, and her mother died at f- when she was four. Um, her elder sisters, who were, like, her motherly ca- figures to her where she didn't have a mother, were leaving to join the Carmelites and things like that. She had a very, very tumultuous upbringing um but yeah yeah and it it made her physically sick at times um and she wasn't living in a good environment for a sensitive person she was living in very um i guess you could say very what's the what's that heresy um 
and it's no Jansenism. Um, mm. She was she was she was living in a time where things were a little bit leaning towards Jansenism, and so being a very sensitive person, she started to get scrupulosity and things like that. Um, but she was able to use, as I said, she was able to use these things. Um, not to sort of like go one way, which is she could have become just an incredibly, she was able to, I guess, in some sense, see in herself that the road that she could have gone down was very much one where she became very codependent on other people. But she was able to see that and realize that and then turn those things into good and not become, I guess, like a, this, what we would say today is a very um, needy kind of clingy person. Mm. Um, and she wasn't like, she didn't end up being like that at all. Um, so yeah, yeah. Anyway, just relating to sense of sensibility there. Um, but yeah, hmm. yeah. So cool. Anyway, is that, that's everything? We'll, oh, there's uh, so much more, but like, I think this is a good natural end. Yeah. Okay, We'll, we'll cool. pick up Jane Austen at another point yeah. along the road. All I right. Think. Awesome. Well, um, that's it then for this episode. And I think, um... The next episode, I'm actually going to look at... Um, look, we haven't done anything by Pope Benedict Sixteen, Which is weird. Which is weird. And it's also very unusual that this will be the first one. <laughs> but look, the, 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 the real reason why this is the first one is because I read this quite recently. Um, and look, I, I had to do something for an mm-hmm. episode. Mm-hmm. So this is what I'm doing. Um, it's Last Testament by Benedict XVI um, and also uh, Peter Sewald. Um... Basically, it's the last writing that we have from Pope Benedict XVI, uh, who turned 90 recently. Yay! Happy birthday! Um, but yeah, we'll be doing that it's in like the next episode. He's as old episode. as the Queen. He's as old as the Queen. Hmm. There we go. The Queen The queen has been around for many Popes. She has seen many Popes. That's that's good. That's an interesting fact. Who would have been the Pope when she was born? Pope Pius XII. Oh, when she was born. Hmm. Oh, I don't know. Uh, Pope... Whoever was after Pope Leo the Thirteenth, I don't know. <laughs> That's okay. Pope Pius the Tenth, probably. Saint Pius the Tenth, hmm. maybe. I don't know. Someone else might know that. Google. You can probably Google. <laughs> you can probably Google that. Anyway, but yeah. So we'll do that in the next episode. Um, so Yay. yeah, we'll see, see you, you next time. Bye. Bye. That was an episode of Catholics Free from Cradio.org.au. 